The Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew, the sixth chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus said to the disciples, Beware of practicing your piety before others in order to be seen by them. For then you have no reward from your Father in heaven. So whenever you give alms, do not sound a trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, so that they may be praised by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward. But when you give alms, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your alms may be done in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And whenever you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, so that they may be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward. But whenever you pray, go into your room and shut the door, and pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And whenever you fast, do not look dismal like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces so as to show others that they are fasting. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face, so that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust consume and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust consumes and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise Praise to you, O Christ. The assembly may be seated. Grace and peace to you from God, our Creator, and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, we are in the season of Lent, and that means one thing and one thing alone. filet of fish is back at McDonald's, my friends. It's about time, right? But if I'm being honest, I've never had one in my entire life and had no interest until this past week when I read this article about an off-menu ordering possibility called the Land, Air, and Sea Sandwich. Take a moment to think about the ramifications of that title, right? That means on a single sandwich, you're going to get a Big Mac patty, a McChicken, and a filet of fish all in one place. And I know what you're thinking, but pastor, if chickens are the air thing, chickens don't fly. To which I respond, I think you're focusing on the wrong things here right now, because there's a lot more questionable things than that happening right here. And the lesson, of course, in all of this is just because you can do certain things doesn't mean you should do certain things. And the season of Lent for me and really my entire life has been the season of of shoulds and shouldn'ts, right? What are the things we should do and, and shouldn't do over the course of the next 40 days? And really our gospel this evening seems to lift up that sort of interpretation, right? We should pray but we shouldn't be long-winded in our prayers. We should give alms, but we shouldn't blow our own horn when we do. We should go fasting, but when we fast, we shouldn't make ourselves look miserable in the process. Certainly, it seems as though this evening and this entry into Lent is these shoulds and shouldn'ts, but what hits me 
is that these practices, in my opinion, are things that we shouldn't just do for 40 days of the year, but these are practices that are integral part of the Christian life, a life of discipleship, 365, maybe even 366 if it's a leap year. These are things that we should be doing all the time. And so I think tonight the focus isn't so much on should we be doing them, but instead, why are we doing them? What are the motivations for engaging in these disciplines during this season? Now, I'm going to be humble this Lent, but I want to just start by saying I think I'm a fairly motivated person. That's how I view myself. But what motivates me depends on the situation. For example, growing up, school. My motivation was to make my teachers love me and to get better grades than my oldest brother who had those teachers before me, but that's another story, right? My motivation in undergrad was to not only get a degree, but I worked a ton. Why? So that I could buy a ring, so I could marry my lovely wife. My motivation here is you, this beautiful and wonderful community that comes together in such breathtaking support of each other in all of life's circumstances. And you give me money, but that's a side motivation, sort of. I mean, our motivations can really be just about anything, right? Sometimes I'm motivated by wanting everyone to love me, or I'm motivated by my own stubbornness and unwillingness to accept losing or failure. We are all motivated by something. And tonight, I think the gospel is less concerned about what we should be doing, right? In fact, the formula is whenever you do these things, then do these things, right? Whenever you do these things, you shouldn't do this. It's assuming that we're doing these things. The question again is why? Why are we doing these things? And we shouldn't be doing these things, we're told, for the approval of others. Likewise, we shouldn't be doing these things necessarily hoping that God will love us more because that is a slippery slope down to works righteousness and pushes the whole grace thing completely out of the picture. And that, you see, is our challenge. So what we should do then, why should we do these things? I think tonight it's clear we do these as a means of returning to God and God's intentions for us in creation to return to what it is that God has intended for us from the very beginning of all time. And if we take a moment and we step back, we can see this. When God breathed the breath of life into that clay, into that dust in Genesis, God created us in God's own image and then gave us a task to care for the rest of God's creation. In our baptism. The Holy Spirit is breathed into us and lights a fire within us so that God's light may shine through us in all of our actions, all of our works, all of our deeds. And actually, this year the calendar worked out pretty well. We had a baptism just this last Sunday, and it was a beautiful bridge from that season of epiphanies to the season of Lent. Because there's so much overlap, in my opinion, between the two. There, standing at the font, I made the sign of the cross in oil on the child's forehead. Tonight, 
standing in this very same holy ground, I am going to make the sign of the cross on your forehead as children of God already sealed with the Holy Spirit, sealed in Christ's love, grace, and mercy. And it doesn't stop there because then comes the responsibilities, right? There's responsibilities involved with this. Tonight, we're hearing in our gospel, our responsibilities are those Lenten disciplines, right? Fasting and, and almsgiving and prayer. But the same holds true in this as well. In holy baptism, we have responsibilities too, including the responsibility to live among God's faithful people, to be coming to the word of God and the Holy Supper, to learn the Lord's Prayer, the Creed and Ten Commandments, to hold in our hands the Holy Scriptures, to be nurtured in faith and prayer. Those are our responsibilities here this night. Those are our responsibilities every day. And that then leads to the so that. So that, right? So that in our gospel tonight, so that others don't need to see you do it but so that your Father in heaven can see you do it. Or, according to our baptismal liturgy, we do these things so that we may learn to trust God, proclaim Christ through word and deed, care for others in the world God made, and work for justice and peace. My opinion here tonight is that a faithful observance of Lent begins and ends with a faithful observance of our baptismal promises. That's what this season is all about, returning to those promises, the promise that God already loves us and already frees us, and therefore we are able to go and love others as well. And in that, suddenly our personal actions are no longer just ours, but they are an extension of God's. And now our actions do that work of justice and peace and care for creation that God assigned us at creation itself. Lent is not a season of guilt, a guilt about falling short with all of the shoulds and shouldn'ts that we burden ourselves with on a daily basis. Instead, Lent is about returning to God, returning to God who made us, that we may be what God intended for us to be in creation and what God hopes for us to be through the waters of baptism. So this Lent, go do what it is that you need to return to God and know that that is enough, that you already enough. Thanks be to God. Amen.